Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome to Now. No Opportunity Wasted. I'm your host, Angelica Ross. Today is February 12th, and two days ago, my parents celebrated their 40th, yes, 40th anniversary. So happy anniversary, mom and dad. I love you both so much, and I'm just so grateful for all that you sacrificed for me over these 43 years of my life. Thank you for the gift of watching you both grow together as well as continue to grow as individuals and showing me that it is never too late to accomplish your goals. Happy anniversary. Now, let's get started with a word from my mentor, Daisaku Ikeda, in Buddhism, Day by Day, Wisdom for Modern Life. Quote, you may have fundamental questions about yourself and your identity. Who am I? What should I do with my life? It is quite natural to feel unsure about the best future, of course. But I feel that the best thing is just to concentrate your energies on what you need to do right now. And gradually, full potential will emerge. Now, I really love that message because I know a lot of people uh, experience anxiety around feeling like they don't have direction or they don't know what to do with their lives. They don't know what they want to be and, and feel down on themselves because of it. Feeling like everybody else has it figured out. But first of all, let me just tell you, nobody has it all figured out. Even when it looks like it, we're all just doing our best. And that is what's most important that no matter where you are, no matter what you are doing, that you do your best and you never give up. All right. So this week on now, I'm going to be uh, sharing my conversation with Sara Ramirez. But first, I want to tap on a few things that are going on right now. So if you haven't seen yet, there's a little TV show by the name of Sorta. I don't. I wouldn't say little. It's a. It's a pretty big deal. Um, it's a show called Sort of, and it's in its last season. You can catch it on HBO Max, and your girl Angelica Ross made a cameo appearance in one of the episodes. I believe it's episode two. I can't I can't remember um, offhand, but it's definitely worth the binge. It's worth your watch. It's such a endearing show about a non-binary, you know, person who um seems to not know what they want to do with their lives seems to be all over the place. And, you know, as a non-binary person, sometimes people read that as confusion, you know, but what I love about what non-binary people have taught me is that it's okay 
to not have to define things so much. It's okay to be in that space of mm, sorta, sorta that, sorta this, you know? So check out sorta if you haven't already. There's three seasons. If you have to start from season one, it's such a treat. Please do so. Um, but I am so thankful. Thank you so much, Bilal, for reaching out to me and including me in this groundbreaking series. Now, also, before we get to this interview, I also want to tap on Miss um, Miss Selma Blair. Uh, yeah, Miss Selma Blair just uh, went to Twitter and, you know, faced a lot of backlash since she deleted her tweet that said, thank you so much. Deport all these terrorists supporting goons. Islam has destroyed Muslim countries. And then they come here and destroyed minds. They know they are liars, twisted justifications. May they meet their fate. Yikes, Selma Blair girl. I didn't know you was doing all that. I didn't know you were on that page. Users also went to her ex profile and they clicked on that like tab and saw that she also liked a bunch of racist tweets. So, you know, this wasn't just some sort of one-off thing. Like it's not just the ones who are afraid of saying free Palestine or stop the genocide in fear of losing their jobs, but it's also people like Selma Blair who have done a really good job at hiding who they really are and how they really feel. No, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I found out that one of the folks I loved or looked up to as a child ended up being a truly horrible person. So we just have to accept the fact that people will disappoint you. And sometimes you're going to disappoint yourself. But I do believe that there can be restoration of faith in yourself and in others, when you open yourself up to the opportunity of enlightenment, to go from a place of ignorance to gaining some understanding and even a chance to be enlightened by the experience. So at the end of this episode today, I'm going to talk a little bit more about enlightenment as I drop another Buddhist breadcrumb for you. But now I hope you find inspiration for my motivating conversation with my dear friend, Sara. Ramirez did I say because wow, I know listen listen I took out I tried to you know because I know the the, the Anglo Saxon Saxon uh pronunciation is Sarah <laughs> Ramirez but I think I got it right it's Sarah Ramirez did I get that correct you you really rolled that R and you also <laughs> got the, got, you, I, I want to point out that you also got the R in the middle of my first name, correct as well, which is not a rolled R. It sounds more like a D and you got it. You just, you just nailed it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. You know, I try to do <laughs> my best here. That's so good to be with you right now. Let me tell you, uh, so much is going on in the world and, um, you know, as people who have been in the entertainment, you know, field for, for pretty much most of our lives. Um, what is the balance for you? Like when, um, you know, we need the, the healing aspects of things like comedy and art, but also, uh, making sure you're still feeling things and engaged. 
Well, I think the most important thing I can do as an artist is stay engaged with the systems that oppress us. In other words, not isolating to the point where I'm disconnected from the real world. Uh, now, I, I do live well, with many... Well, that sounds many... like... That sounds pretty I, bold. I, I, well, I will say that I do live with plenty of privileges, both that I've been born with and earned. And so I think that that also is a part of the conversation too, right? Um, I, I am extremely privileged and I also am somebody who wants to experience the world and walk alongside my community, uh, my friends, um, my, my co-conspirators, my colleagues, um, and not everybody's in the same place, you know? So I but respect I think, that. I think, I, I think one of the things you're saying with not everybody being in the same place, uh, you said that you said a keyword when you said earned privilege because okay so take me back 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 for a second take me back to like growing up in Mazatlan was it Mazatlan Mexico I was born in Mazatlan Mexico Mazatlan. yes and yeah Mazatlan and then uh when I was seven I was sent to the U.S. by myself to go live with a friend of the family while my parents figured out their divorce and now, then now, now, I, now later now, yeah. wait, I just I want to slow it down for just a, a second, because, you know, one of the things about this conversation and what I try to point out for people when I talk about no opportunity wasted is that there's these moments throughout our life that are, can be very challenging moments and that it's really how you show up to that moment uh, that really makes and breaks everything. So I know sometimes when you know your own story and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, my parents sent me to the U.S. by myself while they figured out their divorce. And it's just like, wow, okay, you know, slow down for it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you know, so just, you know, I just want to slow down for a quick for a quick second and be like, okay, so for you, uh, how did you process that transition? Well, I didn't for a very long time because of survival mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Um even though I was born into class privilege, and even though I was born into privilege through dual citizenship, right, which means I was able to be sent to the United States on a plane uh, with assistance as a minor traveling alone, right? There were privileges involved in this sort of um, huge upset in my life. And that came with discrimination as well, people kind of uh, conflating xenophobia and racism, like, oh, you were mm -hmm. born in Mexico. So that means that you are in this category that I'm now going to discriminate against, because that means that you're not white, which is actually really incorrect. There are plenty of white people right. in Mexico with plenty of privilege, right? right and right. so and so I have family who, who is that, you know, uh, there are brown folks in my family, there are white folks in my family, um, who are Mexican, who are mixed, uh, etc. And so that's what I talk about when, when I, that's what I mean when I say I was born with privileges and mm -hmm, then, mm -hmm. and then sort of winding up in San Diego, California, where my mom was born, hence the dual citizenship. Um, then I was sort of, um, kind of in survival mode because I was, I was not, I had not only accumulated childhood trauma from before I was sent to the U S but I was also experiencing the trauma from divorce, mm -hmm. the trauma of culture shock living in a new country and then experiencing a ton of discrimination growing up just because of people's miseducation and projections and assumptions about me. So really as an immigrant, it became all about fitting in. 
It yeah. became about survival by fitting in, by conforming. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. you know, my mother joined me sometime later in San Diego, and my mother is white. She is Mexican Irish and and very much white. And so the, there's a lot of privilege that comes with that. But really, my point is when your mother is who they are, you want to aspire to your parents a lot of the time. And, and so there was also that kind of pressure, right, to be like your mom, <laughs> even though no one necessarily looked at me as a child and thought we were related. So growing up, there was a lot of stuffing down of trauma, of feelings. It was all about survival and sort of taking advantage of anything to succeed. Mm. quote unquote, because we're also conditioned in this country to pursue a kind of quote unquote success. What yeah. does that look like? What does that smell like? What does that feel like? Right. So we're con there's all kinds of socialization and conditioning that I was experiencing as wow. well, being a queer, bi, non-binary person who didn't know that they were queer and bi yet. And, and, and it's interesting because the reason why I wanted to really like kind of line that out is because this podcast, you know, um, it's very much in a, a common sense tone. Uh, but you know, it's based, I base it, I come from my Buddhist perspective and I want to sort of like share the way that Buddhism has helped me see the world and see other people and one of the, one of the things there's so many wonderful things that I learned from from it. But one of the things uh, that they say is become a celebrity of the mystic law. And what our mystic law basically boils down to is just really saying that no matter who you are, uh, what package you 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 came in, that you can demonstrate through your life force uh, a type of enlightenment or a type of like just having success with your life, just just having purpose and having certain things. But when it says become a celebrity of the, that fact or that law, it really comes down to being just another example of with this layer and this many layers and with this kind of situation of how you found yourself, how you found your value, and how you learn to express that fragrance that comes along with the flower that you are. So going through a lot of that, the, the challenges and things that you've gone through, and then how did you meet the expression of creativity to start sort of like, you know, cause I know you sing, I know you, you know, you do a, a lot of things. So how did sort of you, find the space as someone who's been through things and challenges to still sing or to still create? Well, um, it hasn't been easy. And in some ways it has, because again, uh, with all the privilege I was born into, I, I was able to go to performing arts school from fourth grade through 12th grade. I was surrounded by arts. My, my mother was a singer. Her father was a singer. I, I was born with the ability to sing and through the accumulation of trauma, I was, I was able to develop empathy 
And that is a huge part of what I, what I do as an actor, as a performer, is have empathy for the characters I play. But mm-hmm. the arts, uh, at a young age, the arts became a, play to, a place to escape into. It became a place to hide myself because I was so ashamed of who I was. You know, from where I was born to the pronunciation of my name, the list went on and on and on, the shape of my body, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So the arts was actually a place to, to hide, to remove myself actually from the equation to make it a little easier. And through the arts, I was able to express through these characters. So it became a respite. It became therapy. It became a place to express. And it also became a place that unfortunately also um, kind of (laughs) tricks you into thinking that there's all this love in the audience when there's applause, right? You think, Oh, I'm doing a great job. This must mean something about my value. And as you get older, Mm -hmm. you very quickly learn that it has nothing to do with your Mm -hmm. actual you know, your internal value is just a human being. So there's been a lot of detangling that I've had to do through therapy, which was another thing that was Yay offered to in college. We love therapy. Yay to therapy. Yes. It, not for everybody, not for everybody, but it works for me. And mm-hmm. I had access to it through college. So again, somebody was paying for that technically, but it was yes. offered through the college. So that's where I started. That was, you know, 30 years ago. And I've been in therapy ever since. Now, singing has been a kind of therapy for me. And in, in, school um they had auditions in seventh grade for the school musical which was unusual because they never really allowed anybody who was younger than let's say ninth grade to audition and so i went in and auditioned i thought oh this is this is going to be incredible and i prepared a jingle bell rock and i'll never forget going in and singing jingle bell rock forgetting all the lyrics i crashed and burned there was one particular um gentleman who was in charge of the musical theater department at that time and and he just excused me and said thank you so much i left i was (laughs) devastated i went home and i told my mother i'm never going to do this again this is awful i suck etc etc i waited a couple years i came back i think it was at the end of ninth grade to audition for a different show and i went in it was a different person that was the head of the department at that time Oli kittleson and i went and i auditioned and i sang wind beneath my wings and i will never forget the look on his face when i finished he said where have you been who are you? Where did you come from? And it was like, he saw something in me that no one else had really seen or articulated. And I felt so seen in that moment. Uh, He took me by the hand and he walked me to every arts department and told every head of each department that I would be in their top level class the next year in 10th grade. And I just thought, well, wow, this is quite the fast track. What an amazing, you know, invitation, opportunity, Uh etc. And so 10th grade, I was suddenly in these top level classes with, you know, all of the 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 the, uh, juniors and seniors side eyeing me, which is totally valid, by the way, like, where did you come from? Why are you here? Oli Kittleson changed the trajectory of my life by supporting me as a performer and singing became something that I could escape into, that I could express through. And so I think um, singing actually has become something that that is such a deep, deep, important part of my life that I can access pretty much at any time, anywhere. Yes. I'm able to sing for the joy of it. I'm yes. able to sing for the, the healing of it. It also can connect me to community. You know, I get to express myself, my rage, my sadness, my joy, my truth. Mm. And right now, as we mentioned earlier, there's... and always has been, I suppose, so much injustice in the world. So sometimes music and singing is another way for me to say what I need to say. (sighs) If you 
that's your grave. Ceasefire now. Are you fully embracing all of the all of your expressions as an artist um, as you move forward? I think the most important thing is strategizing uh, to reclaim myself throughout the mm. process of pretending to be other people. Ooh. Reclaiming myself is so important throughout, and sometimes I have not practiced that that strategy. And in the past, it it caused me a lot of. Um, sort of emotional injury because mm -hmm. the brain has a hard time distinguishing between mm -hmm. what are mm -hmm. pretend emotions and what are real emotions, you know, to the brain, it's all the same. Um, mm -hmm. which is why television and film are so powerful because we release hormones whenever we watch somebody else experience an emotion. Our brain clocks it as though we are experiencing the emotion. Well, that's so when it, that's when you're an actor that is as open and available as you are with with the with the work. That's that doesn't just. I mean, that's great that you know it would be great that everybody has experience, but that's also to bring that kind of emotion that you bring to the table is because you're really allowing yourself to be excavated by this character and, and using your full everything that you've got. I think that, thank you, by the way, I think that I, like I'd mentioned before, and this may not be the same for other performers and actors, but for me, I know myself very well. And I know that the accumulation of trauma from childhood on has, has gifted me empathy. Mm -hmm. And it is that empathy that allows me to feel that allows me to have compassion, that allows me to stay connected to those feelings. And even though sometimes many of us wish those feelings wouldn't get in the way, those feelings are telling us what's up. Those feelings are there to alert us to what's going on. And so I think having that access to those feelings has been a gift. And then also on the flip side, it's been as important to strategize to reclaim myself because Sada may not be in the same emotional place as the characters I play. So right. it's important for me to get back to where I am in real life when right. I am done playing those characters. That's been integral. Now, like we had mentioned, the context of this conversation is that we're in the middle of a SAG-AFTRA strike, a pandemic, an escalation mm -hmm. uh, on attacks against human rights, including trans rights, reproductive rights, ongoing oppression and genocide uh, throughout the world, the climate crisis humbling us to no end. And and so I would ask you the same question, Angelica, what, what has kept you connected to your humanity? Uh, how do you offer yourself grace? And, and how, why do you think you're able to go so deep with, with the characters and the, the work that you've been doing? I appreciate you asking that question back at me. Um, you know, listen, likewise, like, I, I feel, yes, uh, you know, I've gone through so many things in my life that have given me the ability to have empathy and, and compassion and to feel and so everything that I do just is dripped with so much uh, uh, heart, for sure. And, but, you know, I recently, you know, as in the headlines and all the things or whatever, like kind of like stepped away from, or, you know, uh, lit a match and walked away from Hollywood, you know, just saying like, I, I like, listen, I, I just don't like when people get me twisted. That's all. It, it really is a situation where I'm nice. I'm friendly. 
I, 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 you know, we can, I, even when I'm teaching, like, I don't come in swinging. You know what I'm saying? Like, I really don't. So if you got me, listen, if you got me to the point where I am publicly dragging, lighting matches, curse, like, at a certain place, you best believe that I have taken the time. I've taken the time to process it all. When I finally said something, it was years later because, not that many years, but obviously just years later because working with a team, you're working with a team of people who, you know, everybody wants to keep the lights on and keep everything moving, you know. And I've always had a certain kind of conversation with my team and just like, hey, y'all know that I'm not going to say always the popular thing. So, you know, we, I'm going to make my money. We're going to make money. But it might not be as great as it might be over there with somebody who's willing to just kind of go along to get along and do whatever. And so everybody understands that. And I have gotten hired to sit at tables with AT&T or Chase or, you know, all these different companies or what have you. And I, it's always with the caveat that, listen, y'all know I'm going to always be real. And so when I have these partnerships with folks, most of the times they um, welcome, you know, me being authentic and real, especially because they know that it's not coming from a destructive place unless something needs to be dismantled. But I ha I have had to center my spiritual practice. Like right behind me is my, like my little uh, thing where I chant to or whatnot, but like, really center myself uh, because everything I know is about how I respond. And what I know is that we have to, as individuals and collectively, take responsibility for our environments, for our communities and the things that we witness, we bear witness to, and we think should change. That and when I take when I when I've learned from my practice about taking responsibility, it's been about having the ability to respond or having the ability to have a response. And we are in a time and a culture where most people are either they don't know how to respond, they're scared to respond because of some very sometimes obvious consequences when you speak up. Um, and I just recognize that we're in a time where somehow some folks think that my best use is scripted, is, listen, I'm an artist. You understand what I'm saying? I'm an artist. And so... I want to do the things that I enjoy like that. I want to create and do those things. But my power and my voice and my purpose is a lot is truly aligned in the fact that over 43 years now, I have been practicing my response to life. I've been practicing. That's why when I talk to certain people, they say, ooh, Angelica, you did. Baby, I've been having a, 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 I ain't just start speaking up. This ain't my first time at the rodeo. Dealing mm -hmm. with very complicated conversations. And so I know 
that part of that process is going to be very icky for me, meaning like people are going to see me as all kinds of things that don't align with the way I see myself. You know, they're going to speak all kind of words about my character that I know don't align with the way that I, you know, again, see myself. Yes. So, so how I really have been able to really balance this all is by prioritizing my authenticity and my ability to respond, my responsibility. Mm. And that has now evolved into me stepping into taking office. That's not what I want to be doing. You know, I, it ain't, it ain't the dream for me. It, it ain't. Now, maybe, maybe the dream might include the Oval Office. I don't know. You know. All right. All right. But what I'm saying is that's a, you know, that's the, that's the dream. You know, listen, I'm, I'm a leader and I, I want to be a leader in our, you know, whatever. And whatever that position that may be. But when stuff happens, as you know, as somebody who has done improv as well. You can't just act like that thing didn't just happen. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like we are in this life, game of life, and it's all about those who respond the best in the on on their feet and with certain things that end up being put into either positions of leadership or in pulling the narrative together or what have you. So it's it's really about all of us, all of us. And I'm just trying to take now ownership over my responsibility, my part. Right. And so many different people have very different lived experiences, you know, and and some people only know how to be reactive. They don't even know the concept of responding, which I can relate to. I've been there. Um, But, you know, thank you for sharing, Angelica. You touched on Hollywood a little bit. And so I'm just going to jump back to that for a sec. Please do. There's a reason. There's a there is a reason Hollywood is called the golden handcuffs. Oh, I'd never heard and, that one. And as we know, there are a handful of people with the most power in that system. Uh-huh. So it's going to come with oppression. That's the system of Hollywood. We, you know, we know this. Um, and what does the response look like to an oppressive system when we choose to engage with capitalism through the entertainment industry. It's like, we better be ready to confront those systems. And for many of us, uh, depending on where we are in our lives, whatever age we are, there is a, there does come a point in time where we're done. We're done playing along. And it sounds like because of your integrity yeah. that you've always brought to the table, uh-huh. you are now going to redirect and pivot that integrity in a different yes. direction. For a different, yeah. you know, for, for the purpose of, 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 of supporting our communities, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm really proud of you for taking a, a stance, for Thank speaking you. your truth, for instead of, you know, enabling the powers that be, which many of us find ourselves in that position. So, yeah. you know, it, it happens. And you are a shining example of what it looks like to be able to step out of that and say, I'm not doing it anymore. And in fact, I'm going to go ahead and speak truth to power. And then I'm going to redirect my energy over here as a response, you know, as a reclamation of, of yourself and your power, you know, and I really, really appreciate that. I'm excited 
for what the future <laughs> holds with you. So where Thank where you. are you? You're going to move back to, is it Georgia? Georgia, yeah. Decatur, Georgia is where I own my home. I'm in the 42nd district of, of Georgia. So just to give you know okay. folks a shout out there. But it was one of those things where because of genocide happening and people feeling unable to speak up against genocide, baby, you not free. I don't know what life you think you live in, but you have obviously, you, you're not, we're not, we, I'm not, I say we, cause I do understand collectively, we are not free, but let me tell you what I am doing. I am not allowing folks to basically, basically piss on me and call it rain. Let me just kind of like call it out and just say like, listen, folks, they're literally stuff is happening right in front of your eyes. And then they're telling you, you don't see what you see. You don't hear what you hear. That ain't really what's going on. And what I'm saying is I don't know what simulation we got put into. I want out. Yeah. I, it's, I, yeah. I want out because I want out. I want out because what I, and this is how I know that I'm going to free. I'm here to free a lot of people because I myself had to get, I had to free myself first. NDRE talks about this when they talk about writing their songs. And even though it seems like a searing commentary on some other person, when it's get it together and all these different things, She's saying, I'm writing these songs about myself first. What I'm saying here is I had to learn my value first as a, as a first, as a hoe. Be right. Because as a, as a, as a technically uh, defined hoe in the sense of, because the thing is I say technically defined because I had to learn that I live in a world of prostitutes. That prostitution is a archetype. And Carolyn Miz talks about this. And understanding that people don't understand that there's a price. And as long as somebody, whether it's their job, the husband, or the client, or whoever, as long as they paying their price, we good. I don't, we don't need to say, I don't need to say nothing. We don't even need to discuss politics, baby. Cast the check. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I have had to put myself in a place where I've had to learn my value so that it was some days chicken, some days feathers, meaning some days it was we I was eating good. And some days it was slim pickings. And understanding how to survive through those situations so that the threat of someone saying, I, I'll wait till you starve. Bitch, you don't know me when I'm hungry. You don't know what I do when I'm hungry. So go ahead and try to starve me out. Like with this, uh, the strike and the things that are going on. They think that they hold the keys to our life. My whole reason for walking away was the fact that I, I'll be damned if somebody thinks that they can you, look at my life as an on and off switch. Today you work, tomorrow you don't. Today you work, tomorrow you don't. I don't think so. So I had to, and I've always been in a place where I, 
I come from a place of negative bank account balances, terrible credit scores, no official degree. All of these sort of markers and digits and numbers that are supposed to somehow add up to the valuation of my life. And I had to learn, even though my credit score was in the toilet, I had to learn, even though my bank account was negative, I had to learn that I still had value. So the way I walk away from stuff, the way I enter rooms is so different because there's nothing you can offer me that is going to be more valuable than what I hold within myself. You can't, you can't trick me out of it. You can't trick me out of it. And yes. that's what that's what I'm trying to get everyone else to recognize for themselves. Ain't nothing like enjoying yourself, the joy in yourself, as Eckhart Tolle would talk about it. Nothing like being able to carry that around. But what I know is this. When you enter a room, when I enter a room, we are but reflections. Our lives are a reflections. Uh, of our of the environments that we're in and there are people that when they're in our presence feel sick to their stomach they feel angry confused scared scared but the but the reality is all the vitriol all of the hate all of the whatever that comes out of folks when I walk into a space, it's coming out of them. Mm. It's not, mm -hmm. it's, it's not, it didn't, it wasn't in my luggage. That wasn't in my itinerary. <laughs> the, none of that was in my bag. You understand? <laughs> so when I came, come up here and they experienced that, all I'm doing is reflecting their life state. What they see, what they feel, what they, and do you know, because I know you know, when we are around community and they say they see themselves in you, it, all that projection, oh, Sada, you're so great. You're just so talented. You're like strong, your courage. You don't give a, you don't care about this. You don't care what people say. You know, I'm, and I'm, we, have, we all have our moments. We all have our times where none of us are, you know, a bulletproof wall. But that strength that you have, I sh that I see in you, is because it's in me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that for me, grace is really appreciated when uh, I'm rushing or when uh, I'm reacting or when I'm not my best self and I don't want to admit it or I'm having feelings that are very difficult to feel that I need to take responsibility for. You know, grace comes in and says, it's all right. It's not, mm -hmm. you don't have to have it together all the time either. Mm -hmm. So home is that respite to be able to uh, leave everything outside the door, outside the door mm -hmm. and come home to myself literally and figuratively to be able mm -hmm. to sift through all of that and be able to somehow get back to the truth, you know, yeah. or get back to my natural state, which is, yeah. One, one where I'm not, where my shoulders are not up to my ears, one where I'm breathing into my tummy 
one where um, I am making friends with my anger instead of denying how angry and enraged I am about the things that are going on in the world, you know, and along with the respite of home. And if, you know, we are, we are blessed enough to have a home. There are many people out there who are living without, without a home who are houseless. There's, you know, housing injustice out there. And um, yeah, just displacement is, is awful. And so when I think of home, when I think of home, I think, oh okay, God. let me not, let yes, me not, let me not yes, start. I heard you know, that, uh, yes. You know, the whiz is coming to Broadway, back to Broadway. Yes. Um, but when I think of home, I don't just think about a physical space that I walk into. I also think about what's in my heart. I think about my connection to spirituality. I think of, um, you know, just this, this body <laughs> that I am moving in. Um, and so I, th- I think of, I think of home as a place that is wherever I am. Mm-hmm. And sometimes home is in spaces where I am feeling affirmed, where I am with like-minded people, you know, uh, spaces that are affirming, you know, I, I have a, I have an invitation to sing, uh, next Monday as part of a, opening night for a festival uh, being produced by an organization called Breaking the Binary, oh, yeah, uh, which is very yeah. exciting. And, uh, and, and this is an invitation to really do anything that we want as artists, those of us that have been invited, and it's an interdisciplinary kind mm-hmm. of space. And so uh, we are able to kind of come up with, you know, whatever we want and be really creative. For me, I wanted to go back to singing. I wanted yes. to reconnect to singing. I have not yes. really sung publicly uh, much. And uh, there happens to be a fantastic community of musicians that formed a band called Las Mariquitas. And why I bring this up is because their work is so connected to liberation. It's mm-hmm. not just about entertainment and loving to dance. I do love entertainment. I love to go dancing. All of my closest people know that. Um, but they offer a space to reclaim uh, your your internal freedom, the pursuit of liberation, creating spaces that are for liberation, places that are pro-black, that are pro-trans. This is a queer and trans non-binary salsa band. And yes, so I have been wow. so inspired. I've been so inspired by this group. And I just I have so much respect and so much gratitude to, for, for them, for their existence and the work they do that I decided to ask I dared to ask, would it be okay to sing a song together? There's a song that they've played that I've heard at their venues, because uh, I mean, at their concerts um, that I've just, I've been so in love with. And so I asked, can we do, can we duet on this song? And they agreed. And yes. so next Monday, I'm going to get to sing with them as, as, as my offering for this opening night. And, um, and so what, what I wanted to share about that is that, you know, this, invita- this, this isn't just an opportunity to me, it's an invitation. Mm-hmm. It's an invitation to heal in community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, and sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes that feels like home too. Man, what amazing words for my friend Sada Ramirez. And I completely agree. Being able to heal in community feels like home. Feels like you don't have to bear the weight of the responsibility by yourself. So thank you so much again, Sara, for all that you're doing with your platform to raise awareness. Even if that means calling our own people and organizations into accountability. Remember, 
The admission price for community is accountability. All right. Before we go, I just want to drop another breadcrumb of Buddhism and talk a little bit about enlightenment. Because I feel like the Western world tends to truly take a term or concept and just dilute it of all its profound meaning down to a catchphrase. And I mean, one of my favorites is enlighten me, sweetie. I get the girls together all the time with that one. But enlightenment is truly much deeper than that. In Nietzsche Buddhism, we teach that attaining enlightenment is not about undergoing this incredibly long journey to becoming some godlike Buddha, but rather it's about accomplishing a transformation in the depths of one's being. We focus on winning, winning in life moment by moment and not letting our fundamental darkness and our ignorance win and ruin opportunities for love, joy, understanding, peace. My mentor Daisaku Ikeda explains in his lecture, Attaining Buddhahood in This Lifetime, that only by winning over our darkness and negativity can we be victorious and reveal our true potential. So this week, I want you to challenge yourself to win over any negativity by asking yourself, what can I do right now to win in this moment? That might be taking a nap, It might be pushing yourself to complete a task or making a nurturing meal for yourself. But whatever it is, just know that you can win right now. No opportunity wasted. See you next week.